Welcome back, folks. Uh, it's Sarcasm Speaks. Jared and Bob here. Uh, man, we uh, it was a close one today. You know, it was we we really got got walloped with all that snow that uh, that everyone was flipping out over. Uh, it, so, how much snow did you get? I know you're not. I mean, you're relatively close, but I mean, Milton is a little bit further north than North Attleboro. Um. I don't know when it was all said and done. Five inches. Okay. When I all left, right. for, when I left for work, it was probably at like three. Yeah. So we got probably somewhere around three to four inches, and then it started to rain. So then I already started to get washed away. Well, so uh, I found this out. People in the know, snow accumulations, it's on grass. It's not on pavement. Right. Uh, my other, my, uh, so I have, actually, I got two things for this. One, snow accumulations on grass, not pavement, because the pavement was clear all fucking day. Yeah. And then the other thing is, <laughs> I found out uh, people... This this was amazing. It was last week that day it snowed. Whatever. Um, people like to say, "Oh well, the big flakes don't stick." Now this was prompted, and I've heard this like four times now. And this was prompted by Super Nintendo Chalmers at work. Mm-hmm. He was like, "He goes, oh man." He goes, "I hope by the time like I have to like leave, I hope my car just kind of melts, so I don't have to clean the car off." Someone looks outside and just goes, oh, well, it's big flakes. That doesn't stick. He goes, you'll be fine because it won't stick to the cars or the pavement. He goes, oh, okay, good, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Guy leaves. And I look over. I go, hey, good thing the big good thing the big flakes don't stick as my car is sitting there covered in fucking snow. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, had, I had been there longer than him. I'm like, where the fuck do these people get this shit? Yeah. Um. And that was like the same thing today. That's called flakes are too big to accumulate. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, so it was probably like three inches. When did I leave this morning? Eight thirty. I left late today. I didn't have to be in. Yeah. So at like eight thirty, it was probably three inches, and we probably got five, maybe six. Okay, so that's, I mean, that's a little bit more. So, But it's hard to know because it's like, again, it turned to rain. So it's already what, like. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so the, my, my deck, uh, like going out of the house into the backyard. Um, that's usually what I look at because this, the railings, like I, I don't wipe off like the backside of the railing, like the part of the deck that I don't go to. Um, so I looked at that and like the highest it got to was probably, like I said, three or four inches before it started raining. And now there's no snow on the deck at all. It's all washed away. There's still snow in the backyard on the grass and the front yard and everything. So there is still snow on the grass, but I mean, it's, most of it has, has been washed away. And so my whole thing is people are soft, right? And it's an absolute fucking joke. So the superintendent, I don't know about any other places, but the superintendent of schools in North Attleboro canceled school for today, last night. 
So last night at like five o'clock, he preemptively canceled school uh, for obviously for today. And by the time, like when people were normally leaving for school, so probably between six and 7 a.m., there might have only been two inches on the ground and the roads were clear. And then by the time people got out of school, it had already been raining, right? So right around two, like I think one or two o'clock in the afternoon, it started, it switched over to rain and the roads were still clear. So it's like, hey, good thing we just fucking canceled school. And it does nothing for me, right? I'm not, I don't work in a school. I don't have kids that go to school. Like, so like, I'm just, this is basically old man yelling at a cloud for me. But like the fact is like, what are we doing? Like we live in New England and I understand that we haven't gotten much snow this year. I think I saw something on Instagram from that account only in Boston that this year Boston has only received like in total this winter, like eight inches of snow. Um, and for anyone that doesn't live around here, then you're like, okay, what does that mean? That's fucking nothing. Um, I think our average is 15 inches. No, it's more than that because they didn't have less than 20 for like years. Okay. Cause it, well, I, I remember the, uh, the 2015 was, it, it was either the 14, 14, 15 winter, I think was when we got like 130 inches of snow in that because I remember that was the I was in grad school and I had a Monday night class and for that semester for the first half of the semester I only had Monday night class like twice in like 10 weeks because we the snow always came on the weekends like it always came on like a Sunday night or a Monday morning um so that was a fun semester where like I never had to go to class on Monday nights, but um, yeah. So whatever, maybe, so maybe our average is higher. Maybe it's somewhere in the twenties, twenties, thirties, maybe. Mm. But so regardless, we have eight inches total this winter, uh, which is absolutely nothing. So I don't know if people have forgotten what to do when it snows around here, but like I said, and I can't really speak for the surrounding towns, Um but I'd imagine they probably all canceled too. And it's like, you cancel school for four inches of snow. Like in my mind, anything less than six inches of snow is a fucking joke, right? Like once you hit the six inch mark, then you're like, all right, that's six inches is, is where it starts to be inconvenient. Um, and then obviously anything more than six inches, obviously that sucks, right? You got to fucking shovel, snow blow, you know, roads probably suck. It's probably been snowing for an extended period of time. So, you know, the plows come by and clear it, then it reaccumulates and shit. So like I said, anytime you get to six inches plus, that's when it becomes a a real actual inconvenience. Anything less than six inches is a fucking joke. Like it's, it's, it's barely snow. Like we, we live in New England, right? It's not like this is Georgia when they get there, like, Every other year, they get two inches of snow, and then the city's fucking shut down for three days because they don't have the infrastructure to handle it. This is New England. It snows all the fucking time, except for this year, but it still snows all the fucking time. 
I mean, we got to be close to getting near 20 again, though, because it was six and change prior to last week. Last week, I know Milton. So you probably got nothing last week because Easton got nothing. Yeah, I did. Um, when you said when it the day it snowed last week, I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get snow last week. Yeah, so you you probably got nothing because again, Easton. Uh, I mean, Easton got probably like an inch. Um, we probably had like four or five. That like that's only like like I know. So I don't know how many miles it is. Maybe twelve to work. Um, which doesn't seem like a lot. So generally, like whatever the snow is, it's relatively the same. But last week, whatever day that was, it's like I left, left Easton. You know, it's main roads, highways. I got off the exit, went down the side road past Blue Hills, and all of a sudden it was like completely white and like huh. slushy. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I forgot it. Like I forgot it snowed this morning. Um, so usually that doesn't happen. But but if Milton got it, that means Boston got it. So Boston's got to be probably at like fourteen, fifteen. Like it's gonna get to twenty at some point. I mean, we're getting snow again this weekend. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find like total snowfall for the winter, but it it. Because it snowed today, when I Google that, it just gives me the today's snowfall, today's total snowfall. Um, so I can't find how much, um, oh, maybe this will give it to me. How often, no, this is on average, how often it snows in Boston. Um, oh, shit. So on average, we get... 53 inches a year. Seems like a okay. lot of fucking snow. That makes more sense. If it's, if it, cause if it's never less than 20. Yeah. But a lot is like 80 to 100. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The 30 year snowfall average from 1991 to 2020 is 49 and change inches the 10 year that the 10 year average for the last 10 years was 53 inches so roughly 50 inches a year i think we're up to 15 by my, by my count yeah huh so not a lot but still um I still can't find. Want to, know, want to know what one of the geniuses told me today? What's that? It's like, oh, global warming doesn't get cold in uh, Boston anymore. Yep, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That weekend where it was like minus seven. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, no, nope. Global warming. We're gonna lose <laughs> our seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking dumb. That's going to be the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. Stop. That's not that's not nearly as dumb as cuz that that's just an exaggeration. That's not nearly as dumb as the fucking shit I hear at work. Yeah, well, I mean, Italian yeah. people speak English with an Italian accent? Yeah, of course, obviously. 
What do you think they speak? They don't speak fucking Russian. Italian's not a language. Yeah. It's an ethnicity. It's a people. <laughs> Asgard is a people. Right. It's not a it's not a place. Um I guess speaking of, since I made that comment, I meant so I meant to ask you um in the last episode, because I know so we recorded on Sunday. I know you went to go see the new Ant Man on Saturday. Yep. Um, and I wanted to ask you then, but we kind of ran out of time. Um, so without giving too much away, because I mean I will see it uh, at some point. Um, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. Um, so things that happen in the movie without giving it away is the movie is called Ant Man Quantumania. Yep. So it exists in the quantum realm. Yep. Primarily. Uh, we know from both previews and other things that Kang is in it. Mm -hmm. So these are not spoilers. If you didn't know that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to spoil any of the movie. Obviously, you haven't seen it. It just came out. Like, I'm not really like into that shit. So was this weekend, the first opening weekend? No, I think it was the 17th. Oh, okay. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, it felt Star Warsy, okay, because it it exists in the quantum realm, right? Not on yeah. Earth, right? So it's a different dimension, a different realm, however you want to consider it. So it's like there are different species of living beings. So if okay. it it does feel a little Star Warsy, okay. Now you can look at that like it's a bad thing, or like it's a good thing, or like who gives a shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was good. It introduces Kang. Um, it, you know, it gives us a direct link to like what we're dealing with in this phase. I mean, kind of. Uh, or at least in this saga. Like, theoretically, it should be all Kang variants. Um, which was also alluded to in Loki. So if you didn't know that, sorry. Don't know what to tell you. This yeah. information, this information is <laughs> already out there. Um, well, we saw Kang in Loki, didn't we? Yes. And he also mentioned like other versions of him because he was he who remains. And it's like, again, this isn't new. So right. if you right. didn't know that, that's on you. I'm not bringing anything. I'm not putting anything out there that's not already right. out there. Right. Um, which leads me to. I because I made a note of it again. The movie's fine. Like if if you're if you and Amy aren't doing anything, go watch it. It's it's fine. You'll probably like it, and it's not super long. Um, was it like two two and a half? Yeah, it might have been even less because I think commercial started at seven, and I feel like the fucking end time was like nine ten. Okay, so probably yeah. two hours of runtime or so. Yeah. Um. So. As I as I am one to do after I watch a movie, I thought it was quite good because at no point during the movie did I try to grab my phone. At no point during the movie did I have no fucking idea what was going on. <laughs> at no point during the movie did I sit there and be like, wow, this could have gone away completely. Which leads me to Googling the movie. And right. seeing the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, forty-eight percent. Right. That's not good. No, it's not. Metacritic, like four and a half out of ten. 
still not good. Yeah, that's a 45. That's a fi- that's an F. But you look at it, and then there's a little uh, thing below the Google when you Google a movie, and it goes, 83% of Google users like this movie. Right. All right. So right now we're looking at something where the people who watched the movie liked it, but the critics didn't. Now, you could tinfoil hat this all you want and be like, well, I don't know who's in the critics' pocket, who pays their bills, who sets them up to do whatever. Or you could just take it for what it is. Critics equal cunts. People equal the people. Like, did right. people like this movie? Now, you're always going to get a higher um, favorability amongst Google users than you are on the critics. But I've never aligned with critics ever because yeah, they tell me a movie's amazing and I think it's fine or I don't like it. They tell me a movie sucks and I think it's and I enjoy watching it, you know. And that's right. not just like the Freddy got fingered of the world. <laughs> so I then pull up, you know, cause I'm, I, cause you Google it and it's like someone's article is like, again, some cinema fucking thing. It's like, Oh, Ant-Man was the last straw. And he was going on and on about the CGI and the aesthetic and how it didn't make sense. And he didn't think it was right. And it, he didn't like, he didn't like the implementation of like the quantum realm with humans and he felt like they were out of place. And I'm like, so you watch that movie and all you could take away <laughs> was the aesthetic of the movie. I didn't even fucking notice that. And that was enough for you to be turned off either from the movie or the series altogether. Right. You, sir, are an insufferable cunt. And you need Agreed. to fuck. You seriously, seriously need to get over yourself. Because yeah. if you take the last, did you watch Wakanda Forever? Yes, I know we talked. Okay, so you did watch it, and I think we both thought, "Hey, it's fine." It's fine. It is fine. Yeah, I thought Ant Man was pretty good, like okay, noticeably better than Wakanda Forever. Now it's not going to win any awards. It's probably going to get crushed more in reviews, and whether that's a political thing or a outside the movie thing i don't really know i don't really give a fuck either i just know that during wakanda forever there were some things about the movie that i for sure did not like and the things that during ant-man that is getting criticized i didn't even fucking notice right right yeah i think we talked about wakanda forever and about like the villain right because we've said this and i mean another i'm just going to you know, fucking word vomit and go all over the place now. But we also talked about before um, that in a, in a different episode that this was it, right? Like this is kind of like what would appear to be like the Keystone movie where we're introducing Kang. And we said this, like, this is the Thanos. Like right. now we have Thanos. We have the main villain of this this saga series whatever you want to call it because it's phase five and six or whatever you know because we had the infinity stone saga now we have the quantum saga or whatever the fuck they're calling it like now we have the main villain of the quantum saga so like now we're good now we're getting set up whatever um and we said like i said we said that before but with the wakanda forever thing the villain was the villain, then he wasn't the villain, then he was again. And then by the end of it, like maybe he's not the villain anymore either. 
So what it comes down to is any sort of superhero movie, or it's not just a superhero movie. It's, um, I guess the heroic, it, not to get like weird philosophical on it, but any movie that's like on, on a hero's journey, right? Like, so whether that's a superhero or James Bond or John Wick or Jason Bourne, like the hero's journey, right? Like it's that fucking whatever you want to say. Yeah, we learned about, about that in school at one point. Yeah. I think it was Gilgamesh. Yes, the, the epic of Gilgamesh. Um, what needs to happen in order for that to be successful cinematically, at least, is you have to have a good villain, right? Like the... Um, which James Bond movie was it where the villain kind of sucked? The the new with the Daniel Craig ones. Um I mean Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace was probably one of the worst. Quantum movies. of Solace. There nothing, there was nothing, no so villain. nothing happened in that movie. So there was no villain, right? Actually, like technically there were two. Yeah, and they both were super weak. They were both awful. They were terrible. Um, but then you look at um Skyfall arguably the best Bond movie of all time, right? And Javier Bardem as Silva was fucking incredible. So, you know, you look at all these movies, right? Like uh, John Wick, the first one has a distinct villain, right? The other ones, they're okay, right? Like the first John Wick is the best one, in my opinion. Um, the other ones are are fine. Like I enjoy them, right? I like watching them. But Jason Bourne, why is that so successful? Like you have Blackwater, you have that those guys there. Like it's, you know, the original or not the original, but the the previous phase of the Marvel movies, like Thanos. Josh Brolin as Thanos was fucking incredible. Um, you know, you think of think of any any great superhero movie or like that well even even shang chi because shang within chi, the, yeah. within the movie it was very clear what he was going up against right right it's a great villain right it's but yeah like wakanda forever it's like okay it's very clear how this is go who this who they're going up against but then it like never resolved yeah and then i also thought there was like a little bit of too many cooks in the kitchen where it's like okay you got the new Black Panther. You have Ironheart. You have um, Okoye as not the fuck. I forget what they're called. Like the the king's protectors of Wakanda. Right. It's like she's not that anymore, but she's this new thing. Right. And then her friend is also one of those new things. So it's like I I, I get like kind of what you're doing but you're also right. kind of diluting the whole thing right well look at thor 2 right thor dark world the dark elves fucking sucked they were terrible i and attempted it was terrible to watch movie. that once and fell asleep and it was a terrible movie because they there was no villain the villain when you don't have a strong villain well again another one that uh, one arguably to some people the best marvel movie in the franchise Captain America Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was an absolute Sebastian Stan was absolutely fucking unbelievable as the Winter Soldier. Right? Like it's 
that's what it is. It's not the hero, right? Like the like, yeah, the hero puts the asses in the seats, right? Like the people want to see Chris Evans as as fucking Captain America, and they want to cheer for you know Iron Man and Tony Stark and all those guys, but like they need a formidable opponent to go against. Yeah, because if they're not overcoming anything, then what are they doing? Exactly. Which, again, see James Bond in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> There's really nothing to overcome. There was really no adversary. Like, it was, you know, so. But Skyfall, incredible. Um, what was the one... Um, what was one after that with Blofeld? Spectre. Spectre. That's what it was. Um, that one was pretty good, right? It wasn't as good as as uh, as Skyfall, but it was still pretty good. I mean, Christoph Waltz is great. Um, he played a great Blofeld. And I mean, when you look past the fact that they stole the plot line from Austin Powers, <laughs> um, it was a good movie, right? Like, <laughs> you just have to kind of let that little bit go. Um, and some people don't want to, and it's rightfully so, I guess. But um, it was still a good movie, right? Like, Blofeld was a good, a good villain. Rami Malek was a really good Rami one. Rami Malek was fucking incredible. He was uh, actually probably almost as good of a pure villain. He was probably almost as good as um Bardem Silva. Yeah. But not as violent, not as explosive. Right. I mean, I thought he was probably one of the more interesting villains there is because that was he he was fucking fucked up. Yeah. Or even more to stick with the James Bond, Goldeneye. Again, arguably one of the greatest James Bond movies of all time. Alec Trevelyan. Fantastic well, villain. Theoretically, a Bond movie should have one villain. Right. That's that's the that's the that's the template because yeah. you go back to the first one. I couldn't even tell you who the villains were in the other um, Pierce Brosnan. I know, I know, Renard was one was one in the uh, the one with Electra. Um, yeah, so I forget. So with with the Pierce Brosnan ones, um, I don't I don't know Die Another Day at all. Like that movie sucks. Yeah, is that the Halle Berry one? Yep. Yeah. Um, then there's the the newspaper tycoon. Yeah, that's right, Jonathan Price. Yeah. Who's actually a, a great actor. Um, but that that was just a bad plot. Like that was just dumb. Yeah, and then it's what, Electric King? Yeah. I don't know. They're just not strong. No. But I mean the template's there. So right. So so yeah, I mean. I because so I'm I'm glad back to Quantumania. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was interested because obviously everyone is talking about the movie not getting good reviews, right? And then it's it's one of those things where people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to go see it. It's not getting good reviews, and I look at that like like you, where the critics are assholes, right? Like they don't fucking know. Like they're looking at 
cinematography and the ambiance of the fucking thing. And it's like, dude, did you like the movie or not? Like, was it entertaining? Like that's like, like you said, how I knew, how I gauge whether or not a movie is good. Do I look at my phone to check the time to be like, Oh, you know, about an hour and 20 minutes in probably got another hour left in this. All right. Like, then, you know, like the movie lost my attention because I'm checking my phone to see what time it is. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know, people people are assholes. But I will be, um, I will be checking it out hopefully soon. So. It's worth, uh, it's, it's worth watching. So other in other uh worth watching stuff, we got uh we got a new episode of Fixing Frankie. So did you watch it? With Scott Fawcett? Yeah. I did. So uh, we talked about this a while ago now at this point because fucking two months. Yeah, foreplay pod took two months has been so far behind in all of their fucking videos. Um so the first so all of this actually in real life happened last summer <laughs> they documented everything last summer uh and they released a, they released the first video of fixing frankie right around christmas um it was with dr brett mccabe we talked about it on the show uh he's like the sports psychologist went through the whole thing and now two months later uh they released the second episode with scott fawcett so we talked a little bit about that because they showed the preview of it um, and you know, we, like I said, we, we talked a little bit about it. Scott Foss is kind of a, kind of a loose cannon on Twitter at least. Um, but he seems to be pretty straightforward. Um, a little bit of an ass, but like, it didn't come out that much during the fixing Frankie. It was also only like 40 minutes, I think. Uh, 35, 40 minutes, but it was super interesting stuff. What he was talking about. Um, some of it, I, I didn't really quite get, I had to like rewind. Like I, you know, you go back like 45 seconds and then listen and watch it again. Um, and it makes a little bit of sense, but basically it's the decade system, right? Like, so, so what did you think? Oh, I might've lost my mic. Yeah, you did. You're, uh, sounds like you lost your mic. You're echoey. <laughs> you back now? No. Nope. nope. Nothing. All right. Well, <laughs> you, uh, you, you try and handle that and I'll filibuster a little bit here. Uh, so Scott Fawcett, the decade system, it, it comes into like aim point golf and uh they talk about you know instead of aiming for uh a specific target which i guess isn't whatever yeah we'll go through instead of aiming for a specific target you kind of look at like an area and then what he talks about it's it's actually pretty realistic is that especially off the tee uh he talks about like a shotgun spray so you know, if you hit a hundred balls off the tee with a driver, they're not all going to go straight in the same spot. You're going to have 
a dispersion of, you know, potentially a 50 to 70 yards. Um, so he kind of walks you through the ability to maneuver that and play within that in your game. So you still, uh, you still struggle busting over there. Can you hear me through the mic? No, no, I, I can hear you through your laptop or whatever you're using. Dude, I can't fucking figure this out. <laughs> did it come unplugged or did it just like turn off? The fuck happened? I hit my headphone cable. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what's going on either. Like, it's not coming through my headphones. Oh, the sound isn't coming through your headphones either? No, but my mic is on. Yeah. I'm back. Up oh, there you are. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, okay. So, I know you kind of, like, did your thing on the decade system. So, the decade system is a math-based way to approach strategy. And a big part of the decade system is the shot is the idea of a shotgun. So you got to know either what your dispersion is, or you got to rely on what other people's dispersion is. So on the PGA tour, the typical driver dispersion is like 65 yards. So you have to know that when you hit driver, it could go 32 and a half yards one way, 32 and a half yards the other way. Now, someone specifically might have a wider dispersion or a tighter dispersion, whatever. So he has like charts on what you should hit off the tee because now this also pertains to more than just like a recreational golfer. Like if you just go and have fun and like don't really know what you shoot, probably doesn't work for you. Now, if you keep a score and you want to play better and, you know, you're losing strokes here, there, whatever, this stuff pertains a little bit more. Um, but the tee shot stuff is hard because the program originally was developed for high level professional and amateur players. So the courses that they play on are much more realistic and reasonable. So. Like, for example, um, on the chart, it's like, well, actually, actually, I downloaded the chart so I could send it to Chris. So this is how he determines, because he's doing something today where he's trying to convince people that they should not have a three wood in the bag, which is probably correct, but whatever. Goes, <laughs> are there are there 65 yards between penalty stroke hazards? If yes... Does the fairway pinch to less than 40 yards where your driver will land or be rolling? If yes, can you carry a hazard with driver not get in trouble? If yes, hit driver. If no, if three wood gets you into the pinching hazard, then you probably just still send it. Um, but then it's like, if you don't have the 65 yards, does three wood remove a hazard? No. Uh, does the club less than three would remove a hazard? No. Where the heck are you playing? This hole is very tight and short. Be open to all options aside from driver. Like, so yeah. 
that like there is a flow chart to like figuring it out. Now it's a little bit more difficult on, you know, these just like regular courses because they don't play by some of these rules. Like you don't get so much in play. Like if we ever went to Norton country club with him, he might kill himself. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what he went, what he went over in the video a little bit was like picking your, picking a target on like an approach. So, you know, you take your yardage. I think it was like, you take the, I, I could be making this up, but like, just to give you an example. So say you're 150 out. And I think you take, say, 10% of that. So your dispersion is 15 yards aside, 30 yards. And um, if you look at the pin and the pin is tucked left, well, you want to aim a certain amount of yards right. And if there's like a bunker on that side, you want to aim even more yards right. So it's using math to figure out correct targets right and the premise is also that you know you let variance improve or worsen your shots like so some people will be like oh well you know i got a wedge in my hand why can't i just aim at the pin he goes variance like you will miss the green sometimes and short side yourself or you aim to the right you still have a putt or you pull it and you pull it right on target. Right. Like some of my best approach shots are pulls. Because <laughs> I was aiming away from a pin and I pulled it right at it. Right. Right. Um, usually it's not a push. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the only I would say the only time in the in the uh episode when he was being a little bit of an ass was when Frankie was going to hit some stupid ass recovery shot. Yeah, when he, he was in the trees he, and he was unable to relate to his decision making process. Yeah. That was like the only time he was like really being, you know, like him. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which I mean, looking at it in that particular situation, I think that for me is a huge reason why or a huge problem within my game that I saw. So it's one of those where like you make a bad tee shot, right? You're in the woods. And then my initial thought is, all right, well, I got to make up for that. And I want to aim. I want, I want this ball to kind of end up in a better spot rather than just take the L get it back out into the fairway and then play for bogey. Right. Like, yeah. Like that's like one of his thoughts is the recovery shot does not make up for the shot preceding it. Right. You've already messed that up. Right. But that's in the past. So now you got to figure out how to get that ball on the green and in the cup in the fewest amount of shots possible. And then doing that but using a realistic a realistic approach so it's like could he have taken a four iron out of that deep rough and threaded it underneath the tree could have but the easiest way is to just wedge it to the left yep and play from the fairway yeah yeah and that's 
that's again, for me personally, as a 17, 18 handicap, um, it's the blow up holes, right? The, the seven, the eight, the, you know, I might shoot, uh, uh, fucking 11 over with a seven or an eight, you know? So it's like, wow, I played a really great round, but I shot, uh, you know, a, whatever, a 48 with a seven. <laughs> and it's like, oh, sick. You know, if, if that was a five instead of a seven, now you're looking at whatever, only being nine over, 10 over, you know, you obviously that's better. And it's things like that, that, and God forbid that happens more than once in a round, right? And then you're, the round is fucking cooked, right? Like if I, if I have a card with two sevens on it, and it's like, well, you know, I mean, I did that when I played in a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had a bird, I made a birdie. And I think I had two sevens and a birdie on the card. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? You know, I think I still shot. Oh, I forget what I said, what I said I shot, maybe a 13 over, which I'm, I, again, I was fine with, but those sevens were exactly that. It was a bad tee shot. And I tried to, you know, get too much back on the recovery. Um, so I think what one of the things he had said there were maybe this was a different video I saw. So I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you remember. But he was like, as a whatever handicap, your goal should be to avoid double. Like, just don't make doubles. Which seems to make a ton of sense, right? Like, avoid the doubles and the triples. Like, bogey is fine. Obviously, you want pars. Um, but pars and bogeys are okay. Doubles and triples are not. If I can find it, I don't know if I'll be able to find it in time. It was a it was a stupid fucking stat about the difference in birdies between. Yeah, I saw that from Lou. That was Lou Stagner, I think. Right, it was, but I don't know when he said it. Um, it was the difference in birdies between a scratch and an eighteen, and it might have been like one birdie per round or something. I think so. Um, if I can't find it shortly, we'll just make up numbers. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for it too. I, I should be able to find it because I think I'm looking I mean, in my like tweets and I should be able to find it. I also might have missed it because I'm back on like February 16th. Um, anyway, so the point of it, again, I, I don't know if I can find it. So the point of it was... A zero and a scratch in their birdie percentage. So a scratch averages 1.8 birdies per 18 holes. Now, I know that number is correct. A scratch right. averages 1.8. They average less than two birdies in an 18-hole round. Right. And if you don't like it, if you don't like that number, I, it's math. Then you hate math, and you're just as, <laughs> you're, you're, you're just as stupid as those other ones. Um. That's it. And I think uh, an 18, I don't know if they average 0.8 or 0.5 or 0.3 or something. So the difference in birdies per round is only one, one and a half, something like that. 
So if a scratch only makes one or one and a half birdies, that's only one or one and a half strokes more, but they're 18 strokes better than that other player. Right. It's not a bogey over 18 holes. I fucking promise you that. It's the big numbers. Right. Right. It's doubles and worse. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's I. I found the the tweet. Um, or I found one of them at least. Um. Yeah. Scratch players average one point eight more birdies per round compared to eighteen handicaps. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It was one point eight birdies more. more. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So yeah, a, a scratch only averages like two and change per eighteen. Yeah. It's not as many as a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. So scratch players are 18 shots better than an 18 handicapped uh, handicap. <laughs> I'm handicapped, um, but they only average 1.8 more birdies per round. I think, um, I think an 18, it might've been 0.2, like 0.2 birdies per round or something like that. So, but, I mean, they're all pretty close, yeah, but so he a says scratch right averages around two or so. Yeah. It yeah. says the secret to lower scores is not more birdies. It's avoiding the blowups. Yeah. Doubles plus. Yeah. So as a group, five index players average 1.2 birdies per round. Five index averages 1.2. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. So that's 0.6 birdies per round in five shots. Yeah. I've got, so I've got another, but I love, I fucking love Lou. He's got crazy stats. So, so I got another tweet here. Um, scratch players average 1.9 more birdies per <laughs> round compared to 20 handicaps. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Then, however, 20 handicaps average 5.9 more doubles or worse per round compared to scratch players. So he says, again, reduce the big numbers. So right there, I mean, the difference between a scratch and a 20, they only get 1.9 birdies, rounded to two, right? So a scratch, you play, yeah, so uh, you take a scratch player and you got a 20 handicap. They play in a, a round of 18. The scratch player makes two birdies. The 20 makes zero. The 20- And, win, and wins by 20. Right. And the 20 makes six doubles or worse more than on average than the scratch player. Yep. So that's, that's the difference, right? That's what, that's where all the, that's where everything comes from. So, like I said, watching that, that particular scene when Frankie was in the woods, um, kind of, Kind of spoke to me <laughs> in my in my game that you know and what you just said too I think is a great way to look at it like you already fucked up right like you you already fucked up the hole but that's in the past so now just make it better right just punch it into the fairway and then play from there. Uh, the best thing out of that episode was him describing approach yardages yes the venn diagram yes that was really cool i really enjoyed that also 
And that's because everyone thinks that they hit it further than they do. Right. And no one ever takes enough club. Right. Because that's the, so if you took a PGA tour player, they are going to strike the ball significantly better. Right. Right. Than the average. Fine. Other things that they do is they cover their distances a hell of a lot better than the average player. So if you think about it, how about this? You tell me how far you hit a seven iron. Uh, probably 165. Okay. So you're on a hole and you have 165 to the pin. Say the pin's middle. You're pulling seven iron. How many times do you think right. that you're going to hit that seven iron, the 165? Right. Not, I mean, out of 10 times, five. <laughs> And I would say if you did that five, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing. I know that I carry a seven iron 162. So if I have 165 to that pin and I hit a seven iron average, I will have a nine foot putt up the hill. And everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, that's like really good. It is really good. I'll take a nine-foot putt from 160 to 165 every time. Yeah. Every single time. It does not change the fact that I did not have enough club. Right. So in instances like that where it's 165, now, me, me playing, I'm probably going to hit that 162 probably every time. Um, cause if I have any inconsistencies and the ball jumps, then I'm even closer to the hole. Fine. What a lot of people do is they don't know their yardages, which is fine, but they remember that one time from 180 <laughs> that they got there with a seven iron. Because I used to think I hit, I I used to think from 180 I could get a seven iron where I needed to go. So, in reality, I'm 180 out. Say it's a back pin or a middle pin. Again, we're 180, and I come up 36 feet short of the pin. I'm still gonna look at that like it's a pretty good shot. And from 180, yeah, it is like 36 right. feet, pretty good. Right. Now I can three putt that all day. <laughs> I am an entire club short of that pin. Right. Because 36 feet, 12 yards, that was a 168 ball. But this is the problem is people don't take enough club because they they either remember the longest the club went. Yeah. Or they they think in terms of potential and they don't account for these other factors. So what he was teaching Frankie was if uh, – let me 
so I'll use my, cause I, I, I know my numbers exactly. So if I have 158 to a middle pin, I could step on an, I could step on an eight, which normally carries 152. So a little bit of roll, you know, eight yards short, 24 feet, not bad. Or I can hit the seven, which carries 162, a little bit of roll. And I might be nine yards long, 27 feet. Well, that 27 feet's further than 24, isn't it? Yeah. What if I don't hit the seven iron clean? Right. Falls right on the cup. Right. Like that's in that. And that's, like that's, the, that's the thought process. Yeah. So it it's it's really fucked up because I, I dude I Someone, fall on the same I fall on the same trap too. So it's John Sherman. He says take the backyardage and hit it. Yes, there. that's what it, that's what that's it what was. Did John Sherman? Yeah, he he says use one. he goes use a GPS, take the backyardage and hit it. To Whatever the, back the, the yardage is to the back of the green, that's the yardage you should play for, not where the pin is. Right. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's six of one, half dozen of the other, right? I mean. Lou, I'm um, not Lou. Um, Scott Fawcett it has a little bit more jargon and mathematics to it, um, but it's it's basically what John Sherman's is, is saying. Yeah, they're they, they are so they're accomplishing the same thing. And then because Lou will also like every once in a while he puts out the stats for your so front pin green and regulation percentage versus back pin green and regulation percentage is significantly different. You hit way more greens when it's a back pin versus a front pin because everyone tries to get everything. Or it's not even pin hunting. They try to get everything out of one club. Right. And miss short. Or because it's like it. it, it, uh, So he talks about uh, being a shotgun in terms of width. Drivers are really like a scatter plot. Or I'm sorry, golf balls are really like a scatter plot. Because you have dispersion side to side and front to back. Right. So if you take your scatter plot to a front pin, half your shots are going to be short. Right. But if you take your scatter plot to a bl- scatter plot to a back pin, half your sh- or, or most of your shots should end up on the green to right. account for for miss strikes. Right. Because no one hits it long. No one hits it too far outside of a fucking skull fucked. Yeah, outside of Vinny. Yeah, if you if you skull fuck the ball, it can go long. But if Vinny stri- hitting his nine iron yes. one seventy, if you strike it well, it won't go long. Yeah. Um. So that that's always something that like I even try to do because I I hit my irons best in the winter. Well, actually, I mean, I hit my I do I do hit my irons good, but I'm always impressed with my irons in the winter. And it's always because I hit one extra club every single time because it's, I go, it's cold. I need an extra club on every shot. Right. And then it's like, wow, really throwing darts today. <laughs> that, or you should just play those fucking yardages year round. Right. Dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is interesting. Right. You know, like you said, so when you ask me like, oh, how far do you hit your seven iron? Or one sixty five. So one sixty five is a maxed out. Is a maxed out. Exactly. I already so know. So one one sixty five is is what that's you know the best. That's I hit it clean and it's great. 
Yeah. I just wasn't going to jump down your throat right then yeah. and there. Cause I was trying to make a point, but it's like, when you said 165, I go, perfect. That's a great example because I know that that 165 is maxed out and right. it could be off a tee. Right. So, yeah. So it's what, what, am I more likely to hit the seven iron 165 or 150? Right? 150. Like, probably 150. <laughs> and that's also, that's also skill level related. Right. Two. But it also, in, in, I mean, I know you don't, you, or 18 birdies could probably give you some idea. Um, but like my golf metrics shows me that my irons are my, are my strongest part of my game. So I'm going to have way less dispersion in my irons than someone of equal skill level, but a better driver of the golf ball. Right. Like they're, they're going to be the type of person that probably needs to, do more again, even if they are a three, four handicap, they need to do more of that either backyardage or middle plus five. Like I've heard a lot of, there's always different ways, but it all boils down to take a more club. Right. Yeah. That might, um, that might have to be something I add to this year. So we'll see. Well, dude, look at, look at Trent in those breaking 90 videos. He is always 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 with an approach shot always short short every single yep. time yep and then he's not very talented or he doesn't have the right skills so then he'll launch like pitch shots over the green shit like that but right always 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 short yeah never long yeah that is true that's a good point you know when i think about I mean, I think about my own approach shots. I'm more likely to miss left or right than I am to miss long. Right? Like if you take if you take short out of it, right? Because I obviously short is probably more often than obviously short is more often than long. But from the other three directional misses, you're more likely to miss left or right than you are long. Like I I don't I can't remember off the top of my head how many times I ever missed long, right? Like, it just doesn't happen. Nope, it doesn't. So that's a really interesting. And if point. if you ever do miss long, on a, 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 a again, not sculling the ball, right? If you do miss long, the amount long you'll be will be shorter than the amount short. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, all in all, like I, I, I thought it was a pretty, pretty good episode. Um, like you said, the Venn diagram thing was super interesting. Um, and you see a little, well, I saw a little bit of that. I'm sure other people do too. But when I went for my club fitting, like they showed the dispersion, like they drew dispersion circles of the clubs that I hit. And then they were like, well, I mean, granted the, cause I think I hit a mostly all seven iron but then I think he might have given me eight iron or something like that. Cause I saw the dispersion circles and they overlapped like that. I forget exactly how it went, but cause whatever program they use, it just draws a circle around the, the points. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what launch monitor they use. Yeah. But there might was, be a, it might be a GC two or a flight scope. I'm not sure. 
but that was one of the things, you know, he was like, Oh, hit a bunch of these, hit a bunch of those. And he's like, see that that's your, cause he, he mentioned that to me too. He's like, you always want overlap in your, it might've been the wedges actually. It was when I, that did would the probably make more sense. It wasn't, it wasn't the irons. It was when I did the wedges. Cause he asked me what, um, what wedges I, I used and I told him 52, 56. So then he had me hit a 56 and then a 60. Um, and that's when he was talking, that's when they did the circles. And that's when he showed, he's like, you don't want any gaps in your yardage. And that's when I first saw, he was like, you know, your best 56 will be a low or a, a poorly hit 52. Right. And that's, that's the overlap, right? Like you can, you can hit your 56, uh, making numbers up here, a hundred yards, but you can also hit your 52, a hundred yards, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's, there is overlap and that like that Venn diagram example makes a ton of sense. So again, I thought that was pretty cool. So we'll wait another 17 months before we get episode three of fixing Frankie. I wonder what it's even going to be. Trevor Immelman with putting. Is Trevor Immelman a good putter? I don't know. <laughs> Why the fuck is it Trevor Immelman? I have no idea. But I saw he the even, He's a broadcaster. He doesn't even coach putting. I know. Why the fuck is Trevor Immelman coaching putting? <laughs> I have no idea. It was the pre at the end of the episode. They said on uh, next Fixing Frankie, it's, and they showed the clips. They showed the clips of him with uh, Immelman, and they were doing like putting drills. Was, I mean, he did a golf channel Academy episode on putting. Was he a good putter? <laughs> Didn't he win a major? Yeah, he did. He won the 08 Masters. Was. <laughs> I like that you're just kind of mind, mind twisted. Are you looking up like career stats? Yep. <laughs> Bro, he was not a, he was not a good potter. Well, that's good. Good thing they got him to teach him how to punt a putt. So the year he won the Masters, he lost 0.64 putting. Jeez. Yeah, it's not ideal. <laughs> now, okay, so to be fair, he's probably a better putter than anything Frankie will be. Right, right. But I just, I figured they would have got like a putting coach. Yeah. Resources at TaylorMade, they can't get a fucking putting coach. <laughs> yeah. Here's Trevor Evelyn instead. And yeah, maybe it'll make a decent episode then. Yeah. Could. You know, four months from now. Yeah. In August when we get the next one there, it, it's going to be hilarious because they're literally going to like, if they post this in like April or May, all again, all of this happened last summer. 
and we're going to be literally a year behind when they post this shit. So they have a four man scramble coming out. Yeah. At uh, Sawgrass. Did they say who it was with? No. Yeah. I just saw the, the backs of them. Could be someone good. Yeah. It comes out tomorrow, right? I think March 1st I saw. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know when I'll be able to actually watch it, though, because those are long. Yeah. Gotta stay awake. Uh, All right. Well, uh, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, we've already nerded out on golf, so this will actually work <laughs> out pretty well. Um, So we have a launch monitor at work. And... There are two launch monitors that are more or less the gold standard of tracking. <clears throat> you have a TrackMan and you have a GC Quad. Now, they're different technologies because the TrackMan is a radar, so it picks up the ball. And uh, sorry, it picks up the ball in flight. And the GC Quad is a camera-based system, so it takes a picture at impact. Now, without getting into like the real data, because I don't think it really matters, me and the GC quad do not see eye to eye right now. <laughs> now, this is stupid because the GC quad only measures what's going on, right? Like it, it, it's 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 a stupid piece of eighteen thousand dollar equipment <laughs> because it it measures what it measures, right? Now, I don't 100% know what it measures because I think it measures the ball at impact but or the ball right after impact Is this something. different than the one you've always had? We've had it. Well, James has had it, uh, I don't know, three years. Is the one I like the SkyTrack? Like when no. I come? No. SkyTrack's different. Okay. So he upgraded from the sky track to the quad maybe it's two years now i don't know whatever so i hit on a track man when i go to lessons but i also hit from a garage bay out to a range mm -hmm. the quad i'm hitting indoors into a screen so i think i do something differently i also don't really know how to calibrate the fucking thing so it's like because it's like i like i would like to aim right so then when i when i calibrate the machine to aim right the numbers are all fucked up. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. there's some issues there. But right now I'm currently in a battle because both systems measure how well you hit the ball. Like both strike location and launch conditions. Now TrackMan calls it a smash factor. GC Quad calls it efficiency. Either way, the maximum number is 1.5. Now, that works out that if you swing 100 miles an hour at a 1.5 smash or efficiency, you will have 150 miles an hour ball speed. Okay. It's just an algorithm. So it's a coefficient or it's a correlation between the club head speed and the ball speed. Yes. Yeah. But it measures how well you're hitting it so if you swing it 110 
and you only get 150 ball speed, right? You're hitting it like shit, effectively. Right. But so at a 1.5, it would be what is that? One, one? A 170 uh, ball speed from what 110? Yeah. Yeah, you would get 165 ball speed if you hit it perfect. Yeah. Now, the other thing is with drivers, they're maxed at one one point five. That's a rule. They cannot get more than one point five. And that's been in place for a long time. So every time you hear, oh, this driver goes longer. No, it doesn't. It physically cannot. <laughs> or it's an illegal club, one or the other. So I'm trying to figure out the efficiency thing. Because for the fucking life of me, I cannot get this number above 143. Nothing. Nothing I do. <laughs> I cannot get it above 143. Not even like dumb luck. Like, like, like by accident or hitting a ball that makes the launch monitor happy, but I know would never work in real life. Nothing. There's nothing I can do. Right. I've gotten like one, four, five a couple times and I've hit like 150 balls the last two days. <laughs> All I'm trying to do is make this stupid ass launch monitor happy. How and I ribs doing so far. So good. <laughs> and I cannot figure out how to make this stupid ass fucking piece of technology happy. And I don't know what I need to do to this thing. Like, I don't know if I need to bribe it. I, I don't know what I need to do. Yeah, that is weird. It's fucking stupid. It's almost like the whoop score. Like it's impossible to get a 21 on a whoop score. Like you can get a 20.9, but you can't get a 21. Like if they just make it so it doesn't happen. But the only difference is it's me. I can't do it because right. other people can. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I know I struggle with strike, but like and I do like I struggle with strike location in some of the metrics like I know it doesn't like an open club face and I do um but man I just cannot crack the code on this inanimate object and it's fucking pissing me off <laughs> and the worst part is obviously so it's James's and James takes an interest in this stuff he can't figure it out either and I know it's pissing him off <laughs> he goes he goes there's no way that you could you hit this many balls at your skill level and you don't at least by chance get like a 147 148 14915 yeah and he's like well what happens on the track man i'm like oh i can get 147 on the track man like no problem yeah he's like how's that possible i go i don't know you tell me yeah so is it we not calibrated to a lefty like does that have something no do it with does it? you can you like it's set up for lefty yeah um so this is this is like couple prevailing theories so like by looking at a lot of these numbers i didn't want to do this so dynamic loft <laughs> is like how much loft i'm delivering at impact that number is too high now how to lower that, I don't really know. But again, there's a couple times where I've gotten it down and it didn't change right. the efficiency number. Um, because my strike location moves all the time and I do kind of rip it off the toe. It doesn't like that. So like I can see why a few times like the number should be low, but then it's like I'll hit one and I'll square it up and I'll hit it hard and I'll carry it like higher than I've been carrying anything. 
and it's like one four three, one four two. <laughs> I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the track, man. So th- this is the other thing, which I know it, it doesn't make any fucking sense because because they're both the gold standard, so they shouldn't be that far off. Right. But when I hit, but when I hit on a GC quad, I'm like ten miles an hour faster with the club head speed. <laughs> and then, like, we even pulled out a second radar to get swing speed, and it's close. It's close to the quad. The quad's still faster. And I'm like, I never get that high on a track, man. Never, ever, yeah. not once. But on the track, man, I can center some sh- shots and hit one four seven, one four eight, one four nine. I've hit some one fives. Yeah, like I've done that. Can't do it with the quad though. I don't know. So me and the quad not seeing eye to eye. Hmm. Fucker. You should fucking just get a track man instead. Fucking bitch. <laughs> track man doesn't work great right inside. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. Or it needs so much. Uh, I guess for, for it. No, for it to work optimally. It needs the ball to. Tr- it needs to be 15 yards behind the ball. And it needs a certain amount of take off oh right like it needs to be able to watch the ball basically yeah take flight but i i think the big thing is but like it might not need a ton of it might only need like 10 feet yeah or less i don't know but it's got to be like 15 yards or 15 feet or something like that behind the ball yeah that's the big that's the problem with track man in a tight space right right that makes more sense yeah, so if you need like 30 feet, maybe it's feet because 15 yards, that's far. That's way too far back. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's 45 You probably feet. need like 30 feet or 25 feet of length for the for the unit and the ball the ball to take off. Yeah. So that's why like TrackMan isn't great indoors and the quad is generally better. But I don't know. I see Classic Gary a week from Wednesday, so I might find something out. I go to him on Sunday. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, be interesting. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It will be. Yeah. I want to know uh, what he has to say other than I suck. <laughs> well, he won't tell you that directly. Yeah. <laughs> so how does, how does it... Is it one of those things where like he just watches you swing and then gives you stuff, or does he like does he say you know what do you struggle with, what are you looking for, things or or both? Basically, it could be. Both. I mean, he'll ask you questions. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't remember how it started. I mean, I started with him like seven years ago. Yeah. But for me now, it's very easy. I fucking suck at hitting a driver. I know I say that, but yeah, like I suck at hitting a driver and I can't fucking putt. Um, so like we work on those things and like shit comes up, but I also see him once a month for the last, I don't know, two, three years, something like that. I kind of don't even remember now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he might, he'll do some video. He'll do some track, man. He'll ask you questions. Kind of be like that. Yeah. And then he'll figure out what he's going to send you with. 
All right. I like it. Uh, so my final thought, I will obviously report back in our next episode because we'll be recording Sunday night. So it'll be after that. So I'll sure. obviously re I'll report back. Um, so my final thought is in, I think it was the last episode, right? We talked about, uh, people were going to go back and change Roald Dahl's books. Yeah. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, all that shit. Well, another one bites the dust. Um, James Bond, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, the James Bond books will be republished in April with all quote offensive language removed following a review from again, in quotes, sensitivity readers. So, so here this, we is, are. this isn't stopping, is it? No, it's not. That's annoying. It's, uh, I mean, of all things, so I hate this, right? I think it's absolutely and utterly fucking retarded, right? But I will at least allow you to make your retarded argument for books that could be construed as children's books, right? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, the Grand High Witches, whatever the fuck it was. I mean, I read that in middle school. Like, you read Roald Dahl's books in middle school, right? That's the thing. Like, there's 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids reading these books. You, again, you can have the argument either way, whether or not it is you should be old enough to understand. Whatever. We're not doing that. Um, again, I think it's retarded. I think you're retarded. But I will at least allow you to speak your retarded opinion on a book like Roll Doll. I, however, will not allow you to speak your retarded opinion on the James Bond book series because James Bond, quite literally, is for adults. Children do not and should not be reading James Bond books. I've never myself read one, but I've seen a lot of fucking movies. Um, it's probably not appropriate for middle schoolers to be reading those books, right? And from what I understand, also, the books are probably closer to Archer than the movies. Uh, so, again, inappropriate. Should not be read by the same crowd that's reading Roald Dahl books. So you want to have sensitivity readers go through and change the James Bond book series? you can shut the fuck up. Like I'm done. I'm done. Like I, I want nothing to do with you. If I was, if I was in the same room with someone, when they brought that up, I would leave or just get, a, I would just walk out. Like I, I, I can't share the same fucking oxygen with this moron. That's gotta be one of the dumbest fucking things ever. They needed sensitivity readers to go through the James Bond Brook series to change the words, to make them, fucking uh more appropriate and remove offensive language alfred broccoli is fucking rolling over in his grave <laughs> or actually it's ian fleming broccoli made the movies yeah i don't think there was a need like because the other thing i mean it's probably more bullshit than anything else like if you want to tell me a book is like significant 
and like you can teach it in English class, whatever. I would still argue just fucking leave it alone. Right. But yeah, I mean, if like you want to change Catcher in the Rye because it's a good book to teach English and, you know, they say a couple fucked up things. Which I'm making that up completely. I don't remember that book. Yeah, I don't either. Fine. Disagree, but fine. What the fuck? You don't learn anything from the James Bond books. Right. Purely entertainment. Yeah, they're not used in school. So when I read this, my immediate thought was, was someone going to look at the Fifty Shades of Grey books? Because there's plenty of offensive language in those. Again, I've never read them, but I know what it's about. Like some fucked up dude sexcapades, right? Like, are we going to change the offensive language in that? Is anyone going to take a look at that series? No, the answer is no, they're not. Because they're just going to look, they're going to target all of these ridiculous fucking things, right? We have to change the, the Ian Fleming's James Bond series. We have to change Roll Doll series. Like they've, I know they've done some stuff with Dr. Seuss, right? They've, they tried to change some of the Dr. Seuss stuff. It's like, what are you people doing? And I guarantee you, if you ask them, oh, what about, what about 50 Shades of Grey? They they would have some bullshit excuse for it, right? Like, oh, that's not targeted towards children. Okay, well, neither is James Bond. Yeah, the guy drinks like a hundred drinks and four hundred <laughs> cigarettes. Is, I was day. gonna say, what did Finn say in one of the books? He he's chain smoked like 152 cigarettes. Like someone someone actually went through and like counted how many times that he he smoked cigarettes, and it was like 152 times in fucking three chapters or something like that. It was stupid. Yeah. Like really dumb. Like I had like 10 packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> but yeah, we have to change the offensive language in yeah. James Bond. Yeah, we don't, but whatever. Yeah. So this is never going away, like you said. So uh, on that note, <laughs> it seems like a great way to end, end on a down note. Uh, so thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube again, don't forget to subscribe, smash that like button, uh, subscribe on audio only and, uh, leave us a review on Spotify and Apple, uh, Apple podcasts, iTunes, wherever the fuck they call it now. Um, you can get us on Instagram at sarcasm speaks pod. We're on Twitter at sarcasm underscore speaks. The Facebook page is sarcasm speaks website, sarcasmspeaks.com. Go to the merch store, buy some merch while you're in a purchasing mood. You can go to grillyourassoff.com uh, and use the promo code SarcasmPod uh, to get 15% off your entire order. Uh, and then after that, you can go over to mybookie.com, use the same promo code SarcasmPod, uh, and they will double your first deposit over there up to $1,000. Uh, so <clears throat> until next time, good night, everybody.